0: Welcome to another episode of the Pastor's Call Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Webb. Before we begin today's episode, I want to thank the sponsor for the show. It's Blue Water Free Methodist Church, where I have the pleasure of serving. We're an intentional community reflecting Jesus to our world. Also, I'm going to shout out, they're not a sponsor, but I'm going to shout out Hemans Free Methodist Camp where we're actually recording this episode live on site from. Uh, If you're looking for a great family fun experience, a small little getaway tucked away in the thumb of Michigan, check out Hemans Free Methodist Camp. They have a Facebook page you can get information. Their family camp is the last week of June every year. So check out Hemans Free Methodist Camp. Always a great time, activities and lessons for the kids and the teens. And we always have some great gospel-centered worship and uh, sermons in the evenings as well. So give a give a check out to Heeman's Free Methodist Camp. Well, today I'm so excited to have joining me Bruce Crockett. He is the pastor of Pleasant View Free Methodist Church, also tucked away up here in the thumb. Thank you so much for joining me, Bruce.
1: Uh, you're welcome. My pleasure.
0: Well, let's just jump right into it. I'd love to hear a little bit about you, your background, and what you felt your call to being a pastor was.
1: Yeah, I uh, grew up in Ohio and uh, went to... Uh, I went to college for a degree in computer science. And I worked in the field of um, well, factory automation for about 13 years after college. Uh, it, it brought us up to Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I, when I was working there, um, we found the Chelsea Free Methodist Church. And I enjoyed you know, the pastor and all the people were very excited. So we felt right at home there. And I joined the church. And then it was in, so this is 1987. We were in a small group together, uh, my wife and I. And uh, a couple of the people started telling me that they thought I should be a pastor. I kind of thought they were kind of crazy, but I never thought of it. (laughs) So anyway, I did a very dangerous thing. I started, I prayed about it. I asked God, you know, I I realized I had never asked God what what would he want me to do with my life, what kind of career did he want me to have. So, and having just heard that I supposedly was supposed to be a pastor, I said to the Lord one night at church, I said, well, do you want me to be a pastor? And I heard very clearly the answer was yes. And so my next question was, okay, you want me to quit my job and go to seminary? No. No. Okay. So I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but I talked to the pastor and we ended up ended up uh staying there for about it was another 5 years before I did leave and go to seminary. Hmm. So that was uh that was pretty cool. So it was a, it was a direct it was one of the few times I feel like I heard actually heard God's voice hmm. very clearly. So that's, And that's been something that's helped me, hmm. knowing that all along. Mm-hmm. Well, Lord, you called me to do this, so mm-hmm. you must know yeah. what you're doing.
0: Yeah. So then what was that uh, process like then leading you to the pastor? So you said five or six years, and then you eventually went to seminary. So what did that period of time uh, then look like, that transition
1: heading towards that? Uh, like the time in seminary? Yeah. 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 Um, well, I was— uh, <laughs> It's funny, I remember standing up in front of our church in Chelsea and saying, well, I'm 36, I finally figured out what I want to be when I grew up. (laughs) So so I I chose Asbury Seminary because my pastor had been there and others that I respected had been there uh, in Kentucky. So the kids were 4 and 6, and we packed packed up and moved to Beverly Hill. No, we moved to south of lexington kentucky you know went to wilmore for the um for the seminary so it was good um and uh i decided that i was going to keep you know un- unlike most most of the um most of the students that were there were you know the one in the school was going full time school and their spouse was working uh in my case i worked uh and went to school so i was going part-time and it so I, I took five years to do a three-year degree so I, I was on the five-year plan yeah. but uh but I actually kind of liked that because I could take like two classes a semester and then I would actually get a lot out of it mm. you know I wasn't just turning in something to turn it in sometimes yeah. when you're in school you get you get to where the deadlines just start hitting over and over again so um but I but no, I got to do all pretty much all the reading and all the papers and everything I had to do. Oh, I enjoyed it. You know, got a lot out of it. I enjoyed the classroom environment. I realized I needed that. At the time they didn't have online but they did have correspondence courses. And I tried that, and I'm like, ah, that's not going to work. So yeah. going to seminary was the way to go, and I really liked it. Hmm.
0: All while your wife was
1: raising uh, raising your kids. Yeah, right? yeah. They were four and six when we moved down there, so they were just getting into elementary school, and, uh, yeah. So, so it was so a time. It was a time, yeah. yeah. So it was good to be there for five years for their sake. Mm-hmm. Some stability and yeah. movement. Yeah,
0: so so what did that look like then? You graduate, newly, freshly minted Asbury Seminary graduate, graduate. Uh, where has that led you from from there until now? Can
1: you give us kind of an overview through yeah, i always overview? uh thought that God wanted me to plant a church to start a church uh but then I also realized you know I'm not the usual not the usual um personality for a uh I'm not very extroverted I'm more of an introvert than an extrovert, and you know I like people and I like going where God wants me to go, but uh at the same time um I just recognized I'm I'm not your usual personality for a pastor, let alone for a uh, a church planter. So I wondered what kind of you know that was going to look like. Um, I had been to I had been to a, been to a think in Chicago. It was a all day seminar, and we went there uh, back when I was in Chelsea. We went there to Chicago, and it was a it was a seminar on church planting. It was in a big ballroom, and I remember sitting there the whole time and taking it all in. It was great stuff. And at the end, he said, "Okay, just everybody, just bow your heads and just let's just take a moment and ask God what He wants you to do." So I did that, and I'm really I'm kind of tired. I hear the. I said, "Well, Lord, what do you want me to do?" And I heard this voice. I, well, you know what I mean. It's kind of kind of like a voice, but the thought came to me. Um plant a church. I'm like, well, Lord, how do I know that you, I'm sitting here in a church planting seminar, you know, and of course, if I'm going to think anything, it's, you know, how do I know it's you and not just some idea that popped into my head. And he said, because I have written it on your heart. And I thought I have never, I don't use that language. I don't think I'd ever said that phrase before. So I thought that's got to be from him. Um, and then the funny thing is, we uh, our, back then our denomination, the Free Methodist Church, had a a weekend church planter, I don't know what you call it, boot camp kind of a thing, where you went and you learned about it. And they actually put you through a scenario where you were planning to plant a church and you had to present your findings to the group as if you were, you know, uh, your, present your plan yeah. to plant a fictitious church, you know, somewhere. So at the end of the thing, they call us in for an interview, and I'm sitting there with my wife, and they said, Well, Bruce, um, uh, the results are either going to be a red light, we don't think you should do this, a, a yellow light, proceed with caution, or a green light, you're good to go. And they said, If it was just you, uh <laughs> it was just you. Um, probably be like kind of like a yellow light, but with your wife, you get a green light because she'll bring them in and you'll keep them in. That's what they said. So all that to say, I end up going to this little town of Leslie, Michigan, and the church. It was not a church plant in the traditional sense. It was a restart. The church there was down to a ten or eleven members uh it had, um, they just in the early 90s had gone down and they had a few retired pastors come in and then in 97 they transferred it to a different conference, to the Southern Conference, which I was a part of, and the Southern Michigan Conference helped pay my way to seminary. Uh, and I owed them five years of service, which was no problem. And so in 1998 I went to leslie free methodist church which had been renamed grand river community church and i was there for 19 years so 98 to 2017. Hmm. so
0: what did what what did that time look like maybe what were yeah let us know what the time looked like what was the high what was the low during that 19 years then Because that's a good good chunk of time to to be at a church, especially one that's being restarted. Right, right. So what did
1: some of that look like? Well, even, you know, you can change the name of a church, but it still has a reputation. Hmm. And uh, it was still a free Methodist church. And, you know, reputations are, it's kind of an interesting thing. Apparently our our church was, the way one other pastor worded it was, you have to be holy to go there. Hmm. Um, Well... Okay. Uh, we're our holiness denomination and that's great. And but uh things had changed in the Free Methodist Church where, you know, you were now at, to be a member you you were just saying, Okay, I it's not that I'm gonna abstain from all these things, I it's that I'm going to um I'm gonna remain free. Free from things that defile my body or addictions mm-hmm. or that kind of a thing now. So so it it became more of a goal than a yeah a finishing place or a finishing mm-hmm. line you know what yeah. i'm saying so anyway all that uh but um um yeah it, it uh the first year you see there was a there was a big mother church oh, probably about 25 miles away that helped restart the church and they sent a group of people up there to hold services every week and so there was about 30 35 people there And uh, by the end of the first year, most of those folks were gone, and we were still running 35. Hmm. What I noticed in the first five years, people that came to the church and connected with us were those who were pretty new to the community. Hmm. So they didn't, you know, to them, they just drove by the church, and it looked like a nice place, or they met me or whatever, Hmm. or my wife, and came and... And uh, so it wasn't for till after five years that we started getting people that maybe grew up in the area mm-hmm. started coming. Um, so restarting a church is hard um, because of factors like that. Yeah. So we ha- you have to celebrate. You can't resurrect something that's not dead. Mm-hmm. So you have to celebrate the ministry of the Leslie FM Church, for example. One of the things I did was I pulled out all the all the different awards that they had won over the years. and uh, one of them was a plaque from a Sunday school, I think it was a Sunday school plaque and it said uh, it was from a certain year where the kids had all uh, written their name on there, I gave my heart to Jesus this mm. year or something like that. you know and I said, this is my favorite piece of memorabilia from the church because you know our method, Our message, how do I put it? The message hasn't changed. We're still about winning hearts and souls to Christ, but our methods have changed. Mm -hmm. And I would often say to the folks that, the old-timers that were still there, I would often say, you know, you guys are my heroes because you didn't leave because you didn't want to go to a different church, but guess what? You're going to a different church. Hmm. It's got a different name now. We're doing more contemporary music, and that got more and more contemporary the longer I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, my tie came off and just things like that. More <laughs> casual, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, newcomers would be like, oh, wow, the pastor wears blue jeans, rides a motorcycle. Well, that's this is cool. I'm like, okay. What? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, hmm. anyway, uh, so over the years, it it. It went up and down. I think the highest we got was about eighty-five. Sometimes, you know, people would leave because of jobs. Mm -hmm. I remember in when was it two thousand eight? Was when there was like a recession or something, Mm -hmm. you know, the housing bubble thing, Mm -hmm. and we lost a couple leaders that moved Mm -hmm. to Florida, where the jobs were plentiful for construction and such. Yeah, you know, so things like that would happen. Mm -hmm. Up and ups and downs. Yeah, you know, one year we saw fourteen people come to Christ. The next year zero Mm -hmm. so it's like we reap the harvest the one year and then yeah you know then dry the next yeah seemingly but yeah yeah
0: it's something interesting just kind of that change of focus from we're not saved from something as much as we're saved to something you know the purpose of our holiness isn't to keep us from things but to enter into true life um, yeah. How did you change some of the messaging around that in the church? Because you, you have to, kind of have to change the lingo, that not necessarily maybe the lingo, but how we talk about things to kind of change that culture and reputation. What did some of that look like in your time there?
1: Well, I guess even though we were not seeker-sensitive per se, um, you know, I wasn't your typical uh, pulpit-pounding type pastor. i more dia- dialogical, or if that's a word, more discussion oriented kind mm-hmm. of a thing um and so i just talked from reality i didn't try to put on errors or try to you know I, find, yeah. I shared my struggles with the church that was then they were fine you know you have to be careful not to overdo that because it's not a time for catharsis yeah know, when you're preaching <laughs> yeah. but at the same time you know people need to know you're real and you've got issues and mm-hmm. and uh so um like, like for example you know you talked about being saved to something well before even going to seminary it was in 87 when I was 30 and we were going to have a baby and I started drinking every night and I couldn't stop and so I had to give it to the Lord and Mm -hmm. he took away my compulsion to drink Mm. Um, so I could talk about that Mm -hmm. that I wasn't saved from drinking I was saved to sobriety Mm. I was set free from that compulsion you know, yeah. if it was there, I couldn't resist it. Mm-hmm. I could control the amount, so I thought. But uh, you know, I wasn't I wasn't getting blasted like you know maybe a, a fifth a day kind of person would be. But yeah. but still, mm-hmm. if it was there. No. So uh, so here I, so now I'm going into the pastorate at the age of I'm my first pastorate. I'm 41, and you know with that life experience, I think that was that was really a good time. Yeah just to actually go into it you know as opposed to like right out of and when i was in seminary i noticed that the average age was 35 and uh, there were folks with life experience and then there were uh, men and women right out of say bible college for Mm -hmm. example yeah and and some of the things they didn't understand they later on they would come back and say well we wish we had more on leadership and I'm like, well, we had a course in leadership, and you had to take the course in leadership. You just didn't have the life experience to appreciate Go on it. With it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, from
0: those 19 years, what brought you to where you are today?
1: Uh, well, the um, you know at the at the time, let me think. Well, like I said, we were up and down, mm-hmm. and you know one thing I found was, and uh, I really am cut out for the week to week. Um, I, I do enjoy the week to week process mm. of preparing for services, making a you know coming up with whatever the Lord wants me to say, um, and and planning this, the music and and all of that, mm-hmm. um, and having that week week to week accomplishment, I love that. Uh, as opposed to the engineering I was doing where you product lifetime the projects would take eighteen to twenty four months, mm. and so you know the accomplishments were. Milestones, but they weren't real accomplishments. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, all it. But um, uh. So I took a sabbatical in 2015, and I realized, yeah, I'm I'm pretty burned out. Uh, But I, you know, I still needed to stay at uh, at the church, and then um, I, the superintendent just came to me one Sunday. We're an appointment system, where you get appointed to the church you're at. And the church wanted me to stay. Uh, I wanted to stay. But the conference said, you know, we think you've been struggling here long enough and it's time to move on. Hmm. And I just kinda I just kinda laughed when he said that. He said, You're not gonna be reappointed here. And I go <laughs> I kinda laughed and I go, Okay, and at the age of sixty, you're probably not going to put me in another church. <laughs> and he said, No, you're right. But that's true. <laughs> like like, well, You didn't have to say it that fast. (laughs) So I let the other conferences know that I was available and uh, ended up coming to East Michigan, up to Mayville, a little country church outside of Mayville. And it looks on the map, and it feels like it's in the middle of nowhere. But actually, as the former pastor said, it's in the middle of everywhere. Hmm. And he was retiring, and so they had an interim for about three months before I came. And um, the church was was ready. They've been very welcoming. Um, We were, like at the previous church, Jesse likes, my wife likes to say that we were kind of like the parents there. Mm -hmm. Here we get here and we're not. We're not the parents, you know. (laughs) They already have systems and Mm -hmm. traditions and things they like to do for various holidays and such. And and so I didn't have to plan everything and, you know. There were times in the at the other church where I would delegate something, and we would find somebody to take it over, and then three months later, I'd be back on <laughs> on your plate on my plate because they got a job, or they left, or mm-hmm. for moved away, or whatever happened. So anyway, but the the so it, it it was good. I was ready for a change, and the the superintendent Brad at the time said to me, he said, you know. You, 'Cause he had been to three or four churches in his career as a pastor before becoming a superintendent. And he said to me, he said, You know, what I found was there were certain things you would try at one church or a thing like things just wouldn't click and then you'd go to another one and then you try certain things and then boom it would just take off. Hmm. And so, um interesting. That that has been the experience. Oh, and the other thing he said to me was he goes. I've kind of found that maybe fifteen years for most pastors. I mean, it's good to be there long enough to establish in the community, but fifteen years seems to be about mm-hmm. uh, not, not necessarily a limit. Because yeah. you know, we we just had a pastor retire up here in the Thumb for, after twenty eight years, mm-hmm. so at the same church. Um, so there's always that, but exception. But but he kind of felt like typically fifteen years, mm-hmm. and maybe you're ready for a change or. You know, yeah. or the people might benefit from a new mm. pastor yeah. at that point. So and so,
0: how long have you been here for then?
1: Since 2017, six 2017. years. I'm in okay. my seventh year. I'm going to retire next year and go part time hmm. and hope to stay at the same church. So part-time. you won't go to another church after 15 years, right?
0: Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. No. So from this, no, six, I, I'll be 67 next you'll year. You'll be 67, so, I'm 66 so now. retire part time. You know, mm-hmm. Still do what you love to do, but right. Maybe not as intensely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. And it the intensity comes from having the responsibility. Yeah. You know. Mm. So if I could if I can serve at the church mm. maybe with worship and music and some of the administrative stuff I've been doing and someone else can do the the preaching and lead the lead the church, mm-hmm. that would be awesome. Yeah. So I'm hoping that'll happen. That's a year yeah. from now. Yeah. So
0: So from what I would call this, you know, wealth of pastoral experience and preaching, you know, being able to look back on what you've been through and other pastors you know have been through now, kind of looking forward, you know, what we want to do here is uh, encourage those who are trying to find out more. Maybe I'm being called to be a pastor. Maybe they're in the process of being pastor or they're already a pastor and they're needing encouragement. But what do you see as maybe challenges that pastors in the coming years are going to be facing. Um, especially younger ones who are coming into ministry. Um, what do you may, do? You have any thoughts about things on the horizon that might be extra difficulties? Um, well, maybe, one thing in general. Yeah.
1: One thing in general about ministry is: a, you better know that you're called to it and understand. If you can do anything else and be happy, do it. If you can't, because that's what God wants you to do, then 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 do it and be the. Do the best you can, Uh, listening to the Lord and following his lead. Following Jesus is the whole point. uh, But you're trying to get other people to do the same thing. Um, So we have to be realistic in this kind of a career, if you want to call it that. um, Pastors have a high rate of burnout. Social workers have a high rate of burnout after a certain amount of time. Um, Some of us are... Can emotionally detach from other people's problems, others we find it hard to 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 detach and, and not take on the world's you know problems uh, the congregation can you know it'll be the different It is the squeaky wheels that get the re- grease, and then the good you know I have found the spend time developing the leaders um, be like Jesus who worked with the twelve the most. And then, what, the three? The three closest yeah. to him. He spent most of his time with them. And sometimes, as a pastor, we tend to spend more time with the ones who are on, maybe the fringes are not as committed, trying to get them, you know, to commit or, um, or, or maybe even come back or be more regular in attendance. Um, and maybe we don't spend as much time with those who are committed and are there to help them make disciples. We make disciples as pastors, but we don't necessarily think about making disciples who make disciples. And then you also have to be real- realistic to realize that the highs are the best highs you're ever gonna have, and they're the, best, the biggest lows. You're, you're gonna have the biggest lows. you know, When somebody gets angry and leaves because of nothing that you did, but they hold you and the church responsible, you feel betrayed. You feel like, you know, Christians should know better. Well, they should. But that doesn't mean they're emotionally mature. They, a person can be. Um, oh, there was one book that was called The Emotional. What was it called? The Emotional Church or something like that. Anyway, not emotional church, but it was. Oh boy, I can never think of the name of it. I just I know the cover. I know right where it is on my my like stand. Yeah, on my books yeah. on my bookshelf. You know, and it talks about that human beings are have, have physical maturity, um, social maturity, intellectual maturity. Okay, instead of social, put spiritual. Okay, so you have physical, uh, intellectual, spiritual maturity and emotional maturity and you can have the first three you're a grown-up adult you're smart you're educated you're intellectually maybe as, you know capable and and you know you know things that right and wrong spiritually you could be very mature you know the bible you're doing your best to live for christ but you can be emotionally mature and still respond in stress or thing like like an infant I didn't get my way i want my way by golly and and so i'm out of here you know yeah. and it when you read his little description in this book about that yeah. you go oh wow yeah there are emotional adolescents yeah. and they're emotional adults so interesting so you got to understand that you're working with different all different kinds
0: well, that actually, you know, circles things back around perfectly. There's a Spurgeon quote I love. He talks about living in the Bible but reading many good books. And, you know, we're changed and transformed uh, through the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, but what's been one or a couple of those good books? Maybe it's that one that you just mentioned, but there, are there any other books over the years that you've read that you've just enjoyed or have been particularly helpful to you?
1: It I, you know, I like to understand. And I, I don't try to... A long time ago, I learned not to be with the Holy Spirit and try to figure out people's motives for why they do things. But it does help me to understand so I don't take it personally, okay, when when they get mad at me or or the church or whatever. Uh, and there was a book called The Bait of Satan. And in it, the, the premise of the book is that Satan wants, in uh, his evil forces, work to... For Christians to be offended—that if you can be, if they can get you offended, to take offense at something, a slight or a comment or something like that—then it can destroy the unity of the church. Um, And so, offense is 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 the bait that the devil uses to derail us as individuals. He doesn't want Christians to be effective. He doesn't want us to pray. He doesn't want us to to obey Jesus he wants us to just you know say well I love the Lord but I don't like the church you know and so or church I'm going to church hop because well my kids are teenagers now and I need a youth program you know if all those people would stay in a small church they could have a youth program but they want to go to some let somebody else do the programming I've seen it over and over yeah so yeah Yeah.
0: well definitely a Christian classic yeah that uh, I know a number of people know and I'm familiar with something I should read again so appreciate the recommendation okay. well bruce thank you so much for taking some time to talk share your your call and uh, your your experiences in the pastoral okay. ministry
1: You're welcome. It's been my pleasure. Yeah,
0: And I want to thank the sponsor for the show. It's Blue Water Free Methodist Church. We're an intentional community reflecting Jesus to our world. And of course I wanted to thank you, the listener, for joining us on another episode of The Pastor's Call. Uh, Episodes come out every week where our hope, mission, and goal is to encourage those who are seeking the ministry, are pursuing the ministry, or are already in the pastoral ministry by hearing the stories of those who have gone before. You can find our podcast wherever podcasts are found. Please subscribe so you know when episodes come out every single Wednesday. And if you leave a review, it'll help others find us as well. So share the podcast with your friends, share it with your family, share it with your pastor, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Pastor's Call. God bless.